our scripture this morning from 2 Kings. So Naaman, the big commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in favor with his master because by him the Lord had given him given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now, the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken the young girl captive, brought her home to serve Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were with the prophet who's in Samaria, oh, he would be able to heal him. So Naaman went in and told his lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king said, I can handle this. Go then and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And so he did, taking that letter and three and a half million dollars uh, and ten sets of garments. And he brought that letter to the king of Israel and said, the letter which read, when you get this letter, you have to heal my servant Naaman so that he is cured of his leprosy. Now when the king of Israel read that letter, he tore his clothes because he said, am I God? Who am I? I can't heal this guy. Can't heal a man of leprosy. He's trying to pick a quarrel with me. So then Elisha, the man of God, heard about the king tearing his clothes. He sent a message that says, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me. He may learn that there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with all of his horses and chariots to the little prophet Elisha. And Elisha sent out a messenger. He said, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and you'll be clean. But Naaman as you can imagine, became angry because he went away saying, I thought that for me, he would come and meet me and stand and call on the name of the Lord as God and would wave his hand over the, sp the spot and it would be disappeared that I would be healed. I mean, aren't our rivers like just as good or way better than the River Jordan? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? And he went away in a rage. And his servants approached him and said, Father, uh, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you have not done it? How much more then when all he said was to wash and be clean? So big Naaman went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And then his flesh was restored like the flesh of a boy, and he was clean. Let us pray. Oh God, we come to you in our strength. Help us to come in our weakness, to receive your love, that we may be healed. In Jesus' name, amen. So, how many of you know what a blood circle is? 
So, yeah, any Boy Scout, right? I mean, that's when they do the knife training. If you get to carry a pocket knife, you, you have to be able to swirl around with that knife, and nobody better be there because they would be in the blood circle, and they might get injured. you got to keep out of the blood circle. Well, to me, Naaman is a person with a big blood circle. You just don't really want to get close because you might get hurt. We know Naamans in our lives, in our world, in our government. We, they're aggressive when at all costs warriors. They have this largesse and, and they, they are quick to, to see the problem and get an answer and start going and you better not get in the way. I wonder sometimes if all of that intimidating is maybe hiding something, some tender part of them. Well, Kenneth Houck, who was the one who um, founded the Stephen's ministry, believes that what is being protected there is a silent pool of tears. A silent pool of tears. And he says that each one of us has one and it's sitting right next to us. We each have a silent pool of tears. Lots of times they're hidden, um, but they're always present. And you can see symptoms of them. Uh, people who, um, who blame others, who will never accept their own responsibility, um, who step on others uh, because of this hurt beside them, this woundedness. Sometimes you see it in withdrawing. They just are inaccessible. Everyone has a silent pool of tears. And knowing that, acknowledging that we have our own and begin, beginning maybe even to befriend that silent pool of tears, we can see how others must have that too. And we become so much more compassionate. Well, as Kenyon Creek begins to own our desire to be able to build relationships wherever we go, that that's who we are and what we are and what we are about, well, we need to know about blood circles and we need to know about silent pools of tears, ours, and that others have them too. So in our Old Testament reading today, it really is a great study of relationships. Naaman is the a, is a commander of this powerful army that has raided Israel, and he was a man built to lead. We all know the type. They're calculating and ruthless and and quick to execute, and they, they're all about tasks. Uh, people are okay as long as they're not too needy and they don't get in the way. We know something about Nathan, about his silent pools of tears, because his is actually, at least partially, worn on his skin. Leprosy, a weakness. Can you imagine how this man abhors his weakness? Well, God is a great story weaver. And into Nathan's blood, I mean, Naaman's blood circle, 
a young Hebrew girl walks. And she is, uh, she's the lowest of the low. She's completely expendable. It's definitely a risk that she says what she says. Because she says, you know, that, that big old silent pool of tears, <laughs> that thing that's just, that he is so embarrassed about, I know someone who can heal him back home. She sees that tender, hurt, fragile self inside and dares, dares to enter. Have you ever experienced someone who has opened doors like she has by just speaking the truth in love? Love like that always opens doors. I remember one time uh, our family was at Corpus on the Bayfront, and, um, and we were all about, uh, about getting it done, about, you know, getting to the next thing, making sure that everybody's in place, and, and we have, you know, we're going to be clean for the next thing that we do, and all of that, and, um, and some little boy said, said, I want to watch the water, or I want to watch the wadu. And we um, see, okay, well, we'll watch the Wadu. And so it's like there's, there's the bayfront, and it's right there. And so we're, yes, yeah, staying by the water. Yeah, it's nice water, and we're on it, right? And we're about ready to go to the next thing. And he says, no, we didn't watch the Wadu. And so we realized we really hadn't. And we stopped, and we sat and we watch the wadu. Sometimes others will walk into the blood circle <laughs> to speak a truth that we need in life. And we are changed. Love, love by the power of its own strength opens doors to healing. Returning to our story, the the kings are, are just priceless, right? So Naaman goes to the king of Aram, and the king of Aram is, oh, on it, and he's going he's gonna to take care of his man. And so that, you know, they carry this letter to the king of Israel, and I just have to tell you, he falls apart. Falls apart. Now, Andy Odom, our senior pastor, who's on sabbatical, is all about being a non-anxious presence. And the king of Israel did not get the memo. Oh my gosh. He is tearing his clothes. Oh no. They're coming. And he can't even see. Now we've never done this. He can't even see the resources that God has put right in front of him. Because there's Elisha. Elisha says, send him to me. And I love how Naaman goes to Elisha. I mean, all those chariots, all those horses. Do you think the people of, of Israel even owned a chariot? It was so intimidating. He comes in such great power. Like, and I can just see sort of up to this little kind of doorstep, right? And out comes this little bitty messenger. And Naaman is like going, what? Are you something kidding me? There is no way, there is no way that I should be met 
by the lowly messenger. And then to be told that you are to wash in the Jordan. Oh my gosh, y'all. So the deal is, if it were here, it's like, he says, well, back home, we got the Mississippi, the mighty Mississippi. I can see him tell him to wash in that. Or the Colorado that's glacier-fed and so pristine. I can see him telling me to wash in that. But he's telling me to wash in the Red River. That Because you see, the Jordan is just like the Red River. It's a, it's a barrier. All you're having to do is always having to cross the Red River to get to the Holy Land, Texas. <laughs> he ain't going to do it. Ain't no way I'm getting in that Red River. You know, I think that Elisha loved Naaman. I think that Elisha knew his silent pool of tears, and he knew about Naaman's to some extent, beyond the leprosy. And he knew that for healing to happen, it could not be on Naaman's terms. And so he shook it up a little bit and met him with a messenger. Love, in the power of its own strength, opens doors every time. Now, when I think of Elisha, Andy Odom again comes to mind because I, he, he would pull that trick. He would pull that Elisha trick, you see, because you come, you come uh, in your strength and he's going to kind of like do this little sidestep thing and, um, and you're thrown off. And basically, because he is non-anxious and self-differentiated, He's going to do his own stuff. He expects you to do your own stuff. He knows his silent pool of tears. He expects you to know your silent pool of tears. And either you're going to have to own it or walk away. And don't ask me how I know. So no way would Naaman stoop to the disrespect that he has received, even though healing is right there being held out to him. Until his servants. His servants take the risk. Can you imagine? Now there's strength in numbers, but he could have sliced all of them, don't you know? And they're over here saying, we got to do something. We got to get that leprosy done because he's, he's impossible to deal with. So can you imagine him drawing straws? The guy with the short straw, so, 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 so sir, uh, 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 if he'd asked you to do something really big, big, then you would have, you, you would, have, you, you would, you would have done it. Um, but all, you, all he wants you to do is go, go, go wash in the, the river seven times. Love, in the strength of its own power, opens doors. And big old Nathan did a little bitty thing and he went and he washed and the healing began. I think there's lots more healing that took place and if you read forward you can see some of it. Um, but the healing began. So when I think of love that because of the, its own strength opens doors a more contemporary example, I think of, um, I think of 
a friendship between two very, very different people that if it had not taken place in the way that it did, at the time that it did, we would not be sitting here today. And that is, right 75 years ago, Prince, uh, uh, Prince Albert, who became George VI of England, and the Prime Minister, new Prime Minister Winston Churchill, began a friendship. Now, they were like oil and water. Churchill was like Naaman. He was the big guy, and he had, he, he had all the answers. Um, but he had run up against some real political problems. And so he knew about that, his own pool of tears, the embarrassment, the things that didn't work, the things that hurt. And then, <clears throat> then there was King George, who had just, just assumed the throne right after his big brother had abdicated after only serving like a few months because he wanted to marry a, an American who was basically divorced twice. And as the king of England and the head of the church, it was a travesty. So he had to leave. So here is Prince Albert. Remember Prince Albert in a can? That's who it's about. Um, <clears throat> so Prince Albert is, um, and, and just, he was, he was told by his father, you should never be king. We have to do anything to make sure that you are not king. And here he was on the brink of world disaster. <clears throat> oh, I forgot to tell you, he stuttered. He couldn't make a sentence without stuttering, particularly when he had performance anxiety, when, when it all really depended on him. <clears throat> if you've seen the movie The King's Speech, you've gotten a glimpse into this, and we know that movies are exactly 100% true. <clears throat> and so, so each of these men knew something about their own pool of tears, and when we know that, we know our own brokenness, we know that the other is broken too. And some of the junk that you experience has to do with that pool of tears. <clears throat> and so on the here, 75 years after the uh, D-Day, when England stepped up with even private, privately owned boats going across that channel, that we would, that we, the free world, would stand up to Hitler and the evil that was coming. Uh, it, was, it was this friendship. Listen to what historian Kenneth Weisbrod says, despite their vast differences, Churchill and King George, the two men met weekly and they found that their divergent virtues, and I would add weaknesses, made them a powerful duo. The king's shy nature was offset by Churchill's willingness to cast himself as the nation's savior. Meanwhile, Churchill's complicated, that means messed up, uh, political past was given credibility by the king's embrace and counsel, together as foils, confidants, conspirators, and comrades. The duo guided us, Britain 
and us to freedom. Love, by the power of its own strength, opens doors. As we come to the table, Christ knows about silent pools of tears. He knows his, and he knows ours. And so he steps into our blood circle. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Love opens doors.